Good evening. Tonight's uh, New Testament reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 and 14 through 17. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a proof to them. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. My name is Glenn Hoberg. I'm one of the pastors here, one of the elders at Grace downtown, and uh, delighted to be able to um, immerse ourselves in this passage together. So would you pray with me? None of us are sharp enough. None of us are good enough. None of us are strong enough. None of us are bright enough to be able to perceive your wisdom, God. We need your spirit to open the eyes and not just of our minds, of our hearts, of our wills. We ask that you would do mighty work in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we are uh, about two-thirds into a series on um, how Jesus' Bible, the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, formed the way he lived and how he thought and how he felt and what he did. All those things together. And this week we come to the topic of healing. Now, when you take time to read about Jesus' ministry, one of the things that strikes you is how much time he spent healing people. How much his workload was healing people that were in need. And that tells you a few things about the Christian faith. Uh, First of all, it gives you a window into how the Christian faith deals with suffering and sickness and trauma. Uh, Tim Keller, who's going through his own suffering right now through pancreatic cancer, you can pray for him, wrote a wonderful book on walking with God and pain and suffering. And in it, he says, If you look at the different approaches to suffering and trauma that we find in our culture, worldviews or cultural views, you might sum it up this way. He'll say, Buddhism teaches us to accept it. Karma says, pay for it. Fatalism says, heroically endure it. Secularism says, avoid it and fix it. Now, there's truths in all of that, but none of them, none of them actually go as deep and wide as Jesus' understanding of what he came to do with healing. 
And where he got that mindset was through his self-understanding of the Bible that he had. And that he studied. And so it helps you and I to open our minds to something wider. But there's a second thing I think we see, and that is Jesus' mindset of what he desires to do in your life and in my life. You know, we tend to see healing is this thing we want God to fix so we can move on. You know, and that way we see it as, like, as an isolated thing. It's this thing in my life, God, I wish you would fix, heal my body, heal my broken heart, heal this relationship so I can get on with things. There's a good desire there, but I would say it's a small desire. You're not asking enough of God. You and I are not expecting enough from God and what he plans to do. Healing is a big word. In the Old Testament, salvation and healing is heal me from despair, heal me from disease, heal me from evil, heal me from sin. God wants to do a mighty healing. And this is a healing that will not only be uh, individuals right here, individuals throughout the world, but even the very world that groans under the weight of suffering and trauma will be healed. This is his vision, and this is the vision that we're given in the Messiah, Jesus. So what I want to do in the time we have is look at the scope of that healing and look at the source of it. So let's look at the scope first. Now, I was thinking back to um, my first sabbatical when I got a whiplash. And uh, it was really embarrassing. We, went, we were in Vermont. We went to this place. And um, they boasted they had the fastest zip line in, in the United States. And they did. <laughs> they just needed to work on, like, the ending. Because I should have noticed when I looked... When you got to the end, it was like, boing, you know, you went like that. Well, at that time, my mother, my brother-in-law, and myself went on, and I came away with a whiplash. They were fine. And when I went in to get diagnosed, it was interesting because uh, the physical therapist said to me, and I've been healed three times now by physical therapists. Praise God if that's your your job. Um, And so... Basically, uh, she said, well, tell me about your symptoms. And I said, well, you know, my, I get this tingling in my arm, and this bothers me, and kind of here. And, and she said, okay, let me tell you what's going on. That tingling in your arm and that burning in your arm is because up here in your shoulder, you have a pinched nerve. But that pinched nerve is actually connected to the fact that your C5 here is kind of like crumbling in, your, in, in, in the back of your, uh, what do they call that again? Spine, thank you. <laughs> and your spine. And she said, and that's actually partly because of the injury, but also due to your posture over years. I was like, wow. You know, the healing that she said, it was connected to a lot more than I thought. I thought about that song, you know, the neck bone's connected to the, you know, this is connected. It's true, that, that's spiritual. And we really see that principle in this passage. In these three different healings, the healing of the leper, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, and then the healing of the crowds, we get different angles on the kind of healing that Jesus means to do in our lives. 
The first one we'll call social healing. Now we think social healing, what do you mean? Isn't that the leper? I mean, a leper has a really big problem with their body, right? Absolutely. Leprosy was this uh, umbrella term that was used to refer to all sorts of skin conditions. Some were very contagious, some were not. And it, it was a terrible, painful disease to deal with. But there was actually a, a pain that was greater on top of it. Some of you know this uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you got COVID and, uh, you know, different versions of it. Um, but way back, I mean, if you got it, you know, one of our elders had it and said, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's really bad. But as bad as that was, what I heard the refrain over and over again from people was the isolation. Right? It's the being cut off. It's being alone. The, the idea of people dying in hospital rooms alone. Right? The isolation. You and I can suffer great things if our communities with us make such a big difference, right? This leper was quarantined from life, quarantined from his family, his friends, his job, his religious community, his worship space. In fact, uh, when you had this condition, so other people wouldn't be affected. Even if you got close, you had to dress it a certain way for, so people could actually see that's a leper. And then you had to say, unclean, unclean. Imagine just the social shame of it all that you felt. And you can also imagine the shock and maybe anger that people had when this leper transgresses that social space. And comes close to Jesus and says what he says. But Jesus instead, the one that came to fulfill the law, right? Welcomes him. And is pleased with him. And it may have been because of his faith. And just as an aside, uh, he provides a pretty good model of how you ought to approach healing. He does it humbly but confidently. Humbly, if you're willing, right? I mean, you and I, if we approach God about our healing, demanding the timeline and the way he needs to do it, you'll just end up bitter and disillusioned. Not a good place to be in. Think about this. Because many times we read these accounts of healing and think, why not me? Why not now, God? But that leper for years was waiting for his healing. In fact, most of the people that were healed in the Bible were waiting for years and years. And they even died after that, right? It was temporary healing. All of us are waiting for the great healing, right? We're waiting for the greater healing. And there's no other world faith that's going to teach you that. We kind of have this very thin view that's just rooted in ourselves that, you know, well, I'm going to die and things are going to be, they're going to be better. How do you know that? How do you know that? Where, where's your mind and your thought with that? Is it just a feeling you have? It's a hope? The only concrete example that we have is the Son of God who comes, dies, and, and raises, and is living. The Apostle Paul would say during his time that 500 people witnessed that raising so they could go and check whether it was legit or not. But let me get back on point. He was humble, but the second one is believing. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That is to say, we have to have some, some, uh, some trust in his character, his intention. This leper knew enough to say, you know, if you're willing, I know you can. And yet faith isn't some light switch. I, I take comfort from the fact that Jesus never gave anybody a faith quiz before he healed them. Right? Not this leper or anybody else. In fact, many people, probably the majority of people he healed, he healed and they, they were happy not to engage with faith. And face it, we can be like that too. And I know a lot of people that would. They would say, God, heal me, fix my life, but I really don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to have like a relationship with you. And so, Jesus bursts in and as he heals this leper and restores him socially, he brings together this idea in the Isaiah passage of what suffering means in the Hebrew. It's not only sickness, it's sorrow. Right? It it, it includes everything. All the pain and hurt that you and I experience in this life. And our culture... (laughs) is in desperate need of it. I, I was uh, reading, some of you may have seen that article, The Boys Are Not All Right. Um, and it's just the uh, research that's been about boys and men in, in the article the, uh, of, of the failing of boys and men. Basically, uh, dropping out of school, not going to college, not able to stay in jobs, relationships, Detachment, loneliness, and and, and inability to bounce back. Um, you know, Saturday Night Live. This is kind of a lighthearted view of this. They 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 kind of did a, a funny poke at this, where instead of the dog park, the uh, man park. You know, the man park where men can go and actually like friends and connect and right. Funny but sad. That's the case. Or you can read the fact that, you know, now people are more likely to die of opioid, opi, opioid overdose than a car crash. But be careful getting behind the wheel because, you know, aggression and death by car crash has increased too, right? The pandemic has revealed a lot. We need healed of a lot. Not just our bodies. Our society needs healed. Our poor are not able to live within the city gates, Right? Can't afford to. And so Jesus comes. Jesus means to do so much more than just heal that one thing for you and I. This comprehensive, and at the heart of it is relationships. At the heart of it, social relationships. To pull people back into relationships. That's what the church is about. That's supposed to be the magnet of the church. We, by God's grace, help facilitate social healing in this city. Starts by small things, right? Just being civil, just being kind, checking in with it. Small things, social healing. But two others, more briefly. Serving healing. Peter's mother-in-law now, Jesus enters the house. No one has to ask him to. He just heals Peter's mother immediately. And then she gets up immediately and starts to serve. 
And that speaks to something very deep within us. You know, it's not, it's not enough, right? When you and I are sick, when we're out for the count, we, we don't just miss feeling well. We miss the ability to actually do stuff, right? To, to be productive, to accomplish something, to have ambition, to achieve. It's part of what God has implanted in you and I. We desire to have that purpose, to be able to serve, to engage. In fact, this is an area of our lives, uh, right? This is a sign when, when that part of our lives is broken, it takes us back to something else is going on here. It's amazing how work is such a great diagnostic of stuff. And yet, it's simply not enough to get better and get productive. Our city is full of that, right? Our city is full of very productive people. People that like to quote-unquote serve. But it's one thing to serve for recognition, another thing to serve for self-fulfillment. It's another thing to serve because... God has healed you, and he's done more than healing you. I was thinking about this the other day. I was, I was praying. I was reflecting. I was thinking, God, it's not, just, it's not just that you found me. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. You found me, and you, uh, you forgave us, and you washed us, and you, you, you called us beloved son and daughter. All those things are wonderful, but they're passive, right? But more than that, I also want to thank you that you employ us. You sweep me up in your purpose and say, I have such great things that I will do through you. If you were basically just living for Washington, D.C. and serving that, you were going to fall so short of your God-given potential. A tragedy. God heals us so that we might understand what it means to actually serve. One of the things that uh, Mike said at our uh, yearly gathering, our vision and brunch, and did we brunch this year or not? Did we? Oh, good. I, I just forget. I forget. I'm glad we brunched. Um, <laughs> But three things, if you're thinking of be, being part of this community, because I'm, I'm always in my mind going, how can we make this simple? I, I have a longing, right? There's so much, so much. What's simple? Three things. Worship, this. This isn't the, the uh, end of worship, but this is central to worship. God has anointed this time especially. Worship, come to worship. Second thing is belong. You've got to belong in some community. Brian mentioned community groups. There's other groups. Belong. Who will know you? Who will you know? And the third one is serve. Worship, belong, serve. And that serve is in word and deed too. And it doesn't mean you do everything. You can't and you shouldn't. But a sign of our healing will be, God, I want to serve you. I want to bring a healing word a healing touch to other people. And then with the mother-in-law, it says that after that, they brought many, right? They didn't just stay there. They actually went out into the community and said, the Lord has invited you to come and be healed. And I want to say that to you this evening. The Lord is inviting you, the God of heaven and earth is inviting you to come to him for healing. 
If you never heard it before, you heard it from God's word through my lips to you. They bring the whole town, everybody that needs it, and it says he heals them all. Which really gets to the last angle of the healing, and that's universal or global healing. Isaiah would say to Israel, because, you know, because of their sin, they, they basically give things away. They lose the kingdom, they lose their place. And Jerusalem, their holy city, their prize, all these things that God gave them are just ruined. But God gives the word through Isaiah and says, I will build up the ruined city. You will no longer be called forsaken. You will, you will you'll be called married. I'm going to marry myself to you. That's the vision he has for this city because Christians are here and the Lord is king of heaven and earth and all things belong to him. And so we move into our mission knowing that the Lord wants to bring healing. Will people come? We'll invite them. But how, to close this thing out, we talk about the scope of healing, but how? What's the source? What's the catalyst? What's the trigger? Now, if you've ever been to our church office, uh, you know we don't have an elevator. And that's not, we don't own the building and bugs me. Uh, The irony is, is we have like one of these antique elevators in the building. It's like a place that elevator nerds will come and look at this elevator because it's a special kind of elevator and there's only like three in the country. So we have an elevator, but we don't have an elevator. And that means anytime on the second floor of the office that you see like a heavy ream of paper appear or food showed up here or something heavy, it didn't just appear didn't just show up it means someone carried it used to be keith moore brian i think probably carries it a lot you know i get there a little bit late so i can i can never help i i i want to you know but it's oh man kara i'm thinking of that crazy story when you had your need operated on kara would literally crawl up two flights of stairs I felt like I wanted to do the Martin Luther thing and say, sister, you're absolved. When she got to the top of the stairs, sorry, that was an inside joke about church history, Martin Luther, St. Peter's steps, getting healed. All right. Back on. But if someone, if it's there, you knew someone carried it. When we look at these healings, it might be easy for us to think Jesus is just, Jesus is just, it's just kind of flowing out of him and he's going, boom, you're healed and boom. It would seem like it doesn't cost him until we have the Isaiah passage. Because it tells us actually that he was carrying something. The healing was because he was carrying He was carrying infirmities. So let me read the wider passage because I had mentioned the principle you find in the Bible is when New Testament writers quote maybe just a verse or two or paraphrase like Matthew does, they're they're actually thinking of the wider passage in the Old Testament they're referring to. And so this comes out of Isaiah. Surely he, this is talking about the Messiah King, the servant of the Lord, 
who the New Testament identifies as Jesus and who Jesus identified himself as. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Matthew would say he took our illnesses. He bore our diseases. Two points about this. One is, you see a relationship in the Bible, um, this interchange between suffering and sickness and sin. And Brian spoke to this earlier on in the service. I appreciated that. When he talked about, you know, how do we actually understand the, the source? So, the Bible, as it understands these things, we tend to compartmentalize in modern society, Right? I mean, e- even our doctors, right? No, uh, listen, if you're a doctor, I, I love doctors, so I'm not, I'm not saying anything. But even our doctors, right? You'll get one doctor that believes in alternative medicine or another doctor will say you ought to go get therapy and another say, no, just go get surgery, right? We're just, in any area, we're just very compartmentalized in our idea of healing. The Bible isn't like that. The Bible understands things are more integrated. It even talks about, right, at one point, Jesus healing people of spiritual Demons. Anybody can see, though, whether you have faith or not here, anybody can see that there is a not rightness about the world. There's a not rightness about the world. And we might want to say, well, the reason is that is because of the haters. Or it's the reason for that is because of... um, you know, just lack of education. Or the reason for that is just technology needs to... Ca- all these things, but humankind has been saying that for forever. And I promise you, after I'm dead and gone and risen and gone to heaven, they're going to still be saying it. It lacks this understanding of how things work together. The Bible would say this, that while uh, there's, there's two ways the Bible thinks about sin. One is the guilt of sin and the misery of sin. Okay, The guilt of sin refers to you and I, our moral failings. The moral failings. And, that, and the Bible will talk about healing that comes there. We'll get to that in a second. Forgiveness. But there's also a misery of living in a sin-ridden world. And yeah, maybe sometimes you can draw the line and go, okay, this sin resulted in that suffering. But many times you can't. You might have a, one person that dies of cancer, and we have no reason why. Another person dies of cancer because they, uh, an industry polluted the water and they tried to hide it, right? But the truth is, there's collateral damage. And all of us feel that, and all of us experience that in this world. It came in with humankind as they turned away from God. And you might say, that, well, that's a little far-fetched for me. I would say, you have to have some explanation for the not-rightness of the world. And I would challenge you to say to you, would you find one more integrated, taken together with history? You've got the guilt of sin, but also the misery of sin. And this is... The scripture teaches that the Son of God came not just to step into the guilt of sin for you and I, 
but to absorb the misery of sin. He bore our transgressions and he bore our disease. All the, all the badness of the world he bears. So you and I can get in on the healing and how does he do it? Well, Isaiah uses this language in the Hebrew when it says he took, the idea is lift off and put on. He lifts off our burden and he brings it onto himself. Now, maybe the question, you know, the image that always comes to mind for Lord of the Rings fan is when, you know, Sam picks up Frodo, whose, whose body is ravaged from evil. He's wearing the ring, right? So there's evil, there's sin, and then there's a ravaged person. And Sam picks him up and he carries him. This is what the Messiah does for those that come to him. Through a deliberate, personal, self-giving act. A deliberate, personal, self-giving act of God. He brings these things upon himself for you and me so he can heal us. He can heal us of guilt. He can heal us of the power of sin that reigns over us where I can finally actually live in freedom and I can stop just repeating the same patterns. But then he even gives us foretaste and I would say substantial healing in this life. And what will that look like for you? I don't know. But Jesus the Messiah, as, we are, as you and I are looking at these passages, these wonderful things, what, why is it that so much was going on at that time? You might argue, why aren't there more miraculous healings today? Well, number one, they needed it back then, right? Let's not discount what God has done through the development of medicine. That's just being silly. They needed it. But it was also this idea that heaven came to earth and there's a burst of what God will do. A burst of what God will do for everybody to trust in him. It was a view so you and I would have a window and go, that's what it's going to look like. And he begins to do it now. He begins to do it now. Emotional healing physical healing, spiritual healing, healing across culture, healing between enemies, all sorts of division. As much as we see this stuff, we, we, we must never, we need more stories of the opposite <laughs> because God is doing it. But let me, um, let me say two more things and I'll, I'll, I'll Leave us off. Isaiah's going back, way back to the people of Israel, the Day of Atonement. The idea of the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for the healing of his people. And what you find that Isaiah says, and by his wounds we are healed, past tense. When Jesus grabs the leper, and it must have freaked people out. He grabs the leper. He doesn't get unclean. The leper gets clean. And when he grabs you with his redeeming grace, you don't make him unclean. 
He heals you. He cleans you. And we experience healing. I want to end with this uh, quote from John Calvin. And he's reflecting on the healing that God brings of the misery of sin. For he, Christ, was sold to buy us back, captive to deliver us, condemned to absolve us. He was made a curse for our blessing, sin offering for our righteousness, marred that we may be made fair. Listen to this. It almost sounds like he's rapping. I don't know. But I love it. Debt canceled. Labor lightened. Sadness made merry. Misfortune made fortune fortunate. Difficult, easy, disordered, ordered, division united. Rebellion subjected. Intimidation intimidated. Assaults assailed. Force forced back. Combat combated. Damnation damned. The abyss sunk into the abyss. Death dead. In short, mercy has swallowed up all misery and goodness all misfortune. This is our God. This is what he's going to do. This is what he's doing. This is the view of healing that he has. Let it be ours. God, we thank you for the Messiah. We thank you that he came to not just fix and heal, but to bear and carry. Thank you for the invitation that you've given us. As we sang earlier, would you heal us, O Emmanuel? I pray that for those that are here today that labor under guilt, you would heal them with grace. Those that labor under despair and depression, you would heal them with hope. Those that are beset with a proud and hard heart, you would heal them with a soft heart. Those that are chronically ill or facing uh, everyday sickness, that you, Lord, would pull, that you would take the healing from the future and give them a taste of it now. I pray, Lord, for your church that's even divided racially and culturally and politically, would you heal your people? And for our city, Lord, you have placed us here. Oh, Messiah King, would you let the water of healing flow right outside of this church into Chinatown, all throughout the district, in the DMV, through the United States and into the world? Heal us, Emmanuel. In Christ's name, amen.